welcome to Aussie Vision, and this is Mike, and welcome to our bonus episode. This was some audio we took with an interview with Paul Clark, the head of delegation for Australia, and also Jan Ulesand during his time on the Gold Coast. So Dal has a chat to both of them. Very interesting stuff. Okay. Um, okay, you mentioned that there's been a little bit of a move maybe to the indie Triple J side. Like, how... When did you start thinking that might be the direction to take Australia to size? Was it straight after the show last year? Was it after Eurovision? Like, when did that sort of happen? We've all grown up with this independent history of listening to alternative or independent music. And in Australia, it's the strongest wellspring of new music. And it occurred to me that we could use Eurovision as a bit of a Trojan horse for our independent music. And so I've just tried... We have just tried to build the links with Triple J a little and to bring artists like uh, Jaguar, Dadiri, Montaigne. I mean, I, I have to say that it's not, it's not like a overt strategic decision, but it was instinctive that as soon as I heard Dadiri's song, I thought, that's a classic. I'd, I'd be quite happy being buried to that song. And having, having people listen to that at my funeral or wake, it is beautiful. And it, it felt to me like that is a dead set classic. And with Montaigne, so original. With Jaguar, the energy, there's this great punk Brisbane energy from it. Uh, I, I feel regurgitator and I feel all those bands. I actually asked regurgitator to come in and the timing didn't work. So I, I, I'm really excited just to bring that crew in. Sort of, you know, why couldn't Spider Bait do this or why couldn't, you know, it, there's, when you think about what they're delivering, there's no reason why you can't just turn up a, a, a like an arena, a visual kind of volume on what they do and try and develop a different narrative so that's that's the idea and I think it like Australian music has always been pop and indie and I think the fact that we have both it doesn't feel like it's gone indie it's nice that we've melded everything together here so I mean kudos there I think that's great um so did you sort of need to have all the artists sort of joined together to kind of go yeah we want to come and do this like the Dideria Montaigne's because they wouldn't do it if another one did it they kind of a bit of a group think on that one look some of them yeah, I think there's a sense of, I'll do it if you do it. And I think Kate really broke through for us because when Kate did it and her management is so influential in that scene that people went, oh, let's just talk to Bill Cullen or Kate and find out what it was like and whether they were treated well. And I, I think there was a recognition that we would look after them and um, they've been fantastic. You can feel that they're really enjoying it. On the other side, I mean, like, someone like Vanessa Amorosi or Casey I've been trying to get Casey to do it for years and just putting songs in front of her and it, it was this year that she went I sent one over and I've, I've stopped being kind of like oh this is beautiful or this is this I just went over this is a big scene do you reckon you could do this one could, could you would you be able to sing it and she, she wrote back and went oh we've got to hear that people got to hear that song I'll do it and it was like unreal so you're, you're just trying to make that you know, dinner party of songs that'll talk to each other. And is it kind of a move to also make it more of a show in its own right? That it's, you know, someone just happens to go to Eurovision rather than being just about winning. Like, is it, it's kind of that Melfest approach. Look, a, a much more. I love Melfest for that. And the artists there all feel so great. It's a, it's a national moment. And I feel great about that. Like, there's... I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm the incredibly... 
nationalistic person overtly. I, I, I don't feel it in our politics and I'm not a very sporty person. But when it comes to music, I love the sense when you watch Countdown of your guys kind of kicking it out of the park overseas. I love that feeling and I, I think that's what we're trying to do. And the way we've sold it to people, not sold it, the way we've suggested it to people is why not? Why don't you come and do a Grammy-like performance? We'll give you a Grammy moment. Doesn't matter who wins. Let's just get together and celebrate. So that's and and it's a funny thing because I mean my background was setting up recovery and spicks and specs, and it's a strange thing. But I, I sort of feel like it's been my destiny to land in this show, and I, I I just feel so close to them all, and I really want them all to win. And it's I, I'm. Kinda, I really enjoy that Eurovision parent role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. And so, what, what would, what does success look like for Australia sides after this show? What will you be happy with once it all finishes? Uh, I'd be happy that all. Uh, I think it's just going to gradually grow and grow because we put a lot of thought into it. That we, the team that puts it together, are just incredible at what they do. And we, we've got a like in here when it gets to the actual TV making, it's extraordinary. So I think it'll gradually, talent will out, right? And I, I think that I, I'm not trying to be competitive with other shows, but I just think that we just keep building as we did with Spix, as we did with Recovery, and people will go, this is actually really special and it's really worth doing. And you can feel the level of artists jump this year. Um, some of them took a little bit of talking into it, but we're there. Yeah, awesome. And after The Winner's Chosen, uh, thinking ahead to Eurovision, do you know what your approach is yet? Like the preview parties, will they spend time in Europe or not as much time? Like, what are you thinking so far? I think the preview parties are really important because it just gets you a sense of it's a bigger version of this. This is a very friendly event. And then you get there and you just realise that the other people are people like you that have either won The Voice or they've been in Wicked or, you know, like they're, they're all very talented people with a very fine ability of what they do, but they're really normal. One thing that I will say about the artists that we've chosen, I tend to try and work off character first. I choose character first and talent second. And that's really stood us in good stead. Through because I think they've always been great ambassadors, and that's half of it. Because I guess we're still trying to hold our place in in Eurovision. I mean, any news on that? Are we we're still in this five year, well, four years left? Um, Yonah Lassan's going. The new guy is he a bit of a fan of Australia or not? Yes, we're friends with Martin Osterdahl. He was the producer in Stockholm and the producer in Malmo. He was the first one to allow us to do a little piece. The Swedes are our friends. He, he'll. I'm not saying that we're looking for favouritism, but uh, that Martin is the best uh, replacement that you could possibly hope for from Yonola, who's an incredible diplomat. Martin is very calm. He's got cool Stockholm archipelago water in his veins. He's not going to get too upset about things, but he'll take it another notch. He really will. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this. I really appreciate your time. And good luck tonight. Well done. Thank you. Okay, we're here straight aside talking to Mr. Jon Olasand. Now, you were very instrumental in getting Australia into the contest itself, which we very much thank you for. Thank you. Um, how do you think we've evolved since first joining the contest? Well, I, I think you came very well prepared. So uh, I, I think you had a great first year uh, and 
I think since I know the delegation uh, very well and it's the same people traveling every year uh, with a new artist, uh, I, I always know that they come well prepared, they have a good artist, they have good song, they have good considerations when it comes to staging, lighting and how they should stick out uh, and, and they also dare to take risks like last year which I think was a fantastic uh, performance and a very bold choice um, uh, from the Australian people basically and, yeah. and also from the, from the delegation and the team behind the artists. So, so um, and f so five good years for Australia. Yeah, I think we think they've been pretty good years too, actually. Um, so the national final, you've obviously seen many across Europe. You've only seen the rehearsal so far, but how's the show shaping up for you? How do how do we compare to the rest of Europe? You're, you're on on a very good level. I have said several times here there are not so many of the uh, European broadcasters that stage a show like this. Uh, it's a it's it's really a high end TV production. Uh, it looks great. It's a great lineup with artists. Um, they, it's fantastic songs. Uh, so so this is absolutely comparable with the best uh, that um, we have in Europe. And there's a lot of countries who've gone away from national finals this year. We're probably like some of the big you know five have. Um, what's your thought? Do you think sometimes it's better to do national finals and get people involved? What, what, do, what do you think about that? I really uh, encourage broadcasters to have national finals because you involve uh, the audience. And when an artist is standing on the stage for Eurovision Song Contest, uh, he or she is actually carrying the the national flag um, and I think it's important that the audience have a say in this uh, but I respect that some broadcasters uh, actually uh, decide to do different and also can find great acts uh, like Duncan last year. And your time in Eurovision, there's been so much sort of change in you know um, Europe itself but how have you seen the contest uh, evolve in that time? Um, where do you think it's sort of heading now? Because it does feel different than it was like 10 years ago. Well it's, it's developing every year uh, and it will continue to develop. Uh, uh, we will still stand strong, I'm, I'm confident, uh, 20 years from now. Uh, and 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 that because the uh, it's such a solid foundation around the song contest. I think it has developed uh, very well uh, over the last ten years. Also behind the scenes, structuring the financial setup, structuring the support team from the EBU, the team I'm leading, the way we work with the host broadcaster to make sure that they get really top-notch show. How we focus on the competition. Uh, uh, to make sure that it, the competition stays strong um, and also encourage the host broadcaster to actually uh, bring a narrative to their slogan. Um, if, 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 you say, um, if, if you say open up, you have to open up. Yeah, it has to, has to be true, doesn't it, when it's the slogan itself. And kind of, a bit of a, an off-the-wall question here. Your um, surprise uh, sort of face um, meme, how do you feel about that being used? You know, the, fa you know, the one I'm talking about? <laughs> do you feel okay about people using that? Are you on board with it? Yeah, the shock to Anola. Yeah, uh, yeah I, think it's, I think it's cool. I mean, play around with it. I don't care. It's, yeah. uh, I think it's cool. So. Awesome. awesome. All right, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Yeah, some really interesting stuff there, particularly from Paul about the direction Australia will be taking and also an honour really to speak to Jan Ulasand as well as while well, his time here in Australia. So thanks for joining us guys.